You're listening to the Discover You Life podcast through conversations with pretty cool Muslims, people of Doha, of Ihsan, people who found a way to walk their dreams with Islamic excellence. We take you on a path of discovery. This is the podcast where you discover you. Inna alhamdulillah, nahmaduhu subhanahu wa nasta'inuhu wa nasta'gfiruhu wa na'udhu billahi min shuroori anfusina wa min sayyati a'malina من يهده الله تعالى فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله أما بعد فأوصيكم ونفسي بتقوى الله عز وجل فقد أمرنا الله تعالى بذلك في كتابه الكريم فقال تعالى يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن إلا وأنتم مسلمون وقال تعالى يا أيها الناس اتقوا ربكم الذي خلقكم من نفس واحدة وخلق منها زوجها وبث منهما رجالا كثيرا ونساء واتقوا الله الذي تساءلون به والأرحام إن الله كان عليكم رقيبا Four billion dollars. When I tell you that number, you may be thinking the reconstruction of a country or the deconstruction of a country in wartime. But when I say four billion dollars, I'm talking about the amusement park industry in this country and how much is spent the entire society in order to please themselves. And so you have things like Six Flags and King's Island and King's Park, all of those different places, Walt Disney World and Disneyland and all these places, $4 billion a year. Why? Why is so much money being spent? And when you actually look at it, the life that the people live in this country, many countries around the world, is devoid of any emotion. It's empty. And so the human being is constantly looking for a rush, an adrenaline rush, maybe a shopping rush, or a rush on a theme park ride, and so on and so forth. Now with that concept in mind, you go back in the history, and you ask yourself, did they have theme parks? How did they live without theme parks? How did they live without their PlayStation 3D graphic games? And I'm going to give you a little glimpse, and inshallah ta'ala, it's going to be one of the key focuses of this khutbah today. The battle of Uhud. The Muslims were winning the battle. And then some of the companions came off of the mountain, came off of the hill, and the tables turned. The Muslims began being slaughtered left and right. Chaos had ensued. And then finally, a statement went out on all this chaos and all the the pain of that day and the companions that were killed. A message was sent out that Rasulullah had been killed. And now just so I know you already know what happened in that battle and you might not have the feeling of what it's like to be on the battlefield, but just to give you a glimpse that when the Prophet ﷺ actually did die, Abu Bakr radiallahu sorry, Umar radiallahu anhu stood up and said that I will kill anybody who says he's dead. And when they knew that the Prophet ﷺ had actually died, they all started crying. So at that moment, you're now, we know that the Prophet ﷺ wasn't killed, but the companions were now in the, in the moment of having the Prophet ﷺ dead. To them, he was dead. And so Anas ibn al-Nadr, he saw one of the companions sitting down, 
And he saw other companions leaving the battlefield. And he said at that moment, and you can imagine when one of us would start crying and walking away from the battle, he said, why, are you, why have you stopped fighting? They said, haven't you heard that the Prophet ﷺ has been killed? And then he said, then why have you stopped fighting? Die for what he died for. And Anas, and I just want to mention um, this, this exact quote, and this is in Sahih Bukhari, he said, Allahumma. He turned towards the battlefield and he said, Allahumma inni a'tadiru ilayka mimma sana'a ha'ula. He said, Oh Allah, I ask your forgiveness for what these people did, those of the companions that left the battlefield. And then he said, Wa abra'u ilayka mimma sana'a ha'ula. And I seek your protection from the actions of these people, meaning the mushrikeen who had come to fight and who had killed, and his thoughts at that moment, the Prophet wasallam. And then he said, then he went forward to the battlefield. And then Sa'd ibn Mu'adh who was one of the leaders of the Ansar. And I'm just going to mention this again later on in the khutbah. He was a leader of the Ansar. He stood in his face. And then he told him, he said, Ya Sa'd ibn Mu'adh, Al-Jannah wa Rabbun Nadr. He said, O oh, Sa'd ibn Mu'adh, I can smell the fragrance of Jannah min duni Uhud. He said, I can smell it coming from Uhud and step out of my way. He went forward in the battlefield and then he said, <clears throat> Sa'ad ibn Mu'adh after the way that Anas ibn Nadr fought on that day, he said, Ya Rasulullah, فَمَسْتَطَعْتُ Ya Rasulullahi ma sana." He said, Ya Rasulullah, I wasn't able to do what Anas ibn Nadr did. He fought to the point, and I, I mentioned this in my classes, like a machine that was unstoppable. He fought like a machine that was unstoppable. When he was found after the battle, Shaheed, he had 80 cuts in his body, completely mutilated. And no one could recognize his body except his, his sister who saw his fingertip and she said, this is my brother Anas ibn al There was nothing on his body that resembled him from the way he fought on that day. Radiallahu ta'ala Ibn al-Qayyim rahimahullah, in the book Zad al-Ma'ad, in the beginning of the book he speaks about the hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, which is, إِنَّ اللَّهَ طَيِّبٌ لَا يَقْبَلُ إِلَّا طَيِّبًا That Allah is tayyib, which is good and pure and all the synonyms that you can think of for that. لَا يَقْبَلُ Allah will not accept anything unless it's tayyib. Unless it's meaning that it's good, it's pure, it's done sincerely for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it's done according to the sunnah of the Prophet And so a human being commits sins, and they live their life in disobedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so they accumulate dirt and trash and rust on their heart. And Allah will not accept a heart like that. And so the tests of life come to this person. And so I'll just give you a little example. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will only accept the beautiful smells. So you see the Prophet telling people who have garlic and onion not to come to the masjid. And that it's, it's actually makruh for the person to come like that. And the actions, a person might go for hajj with stolen money. The hajj isn't accepted with that kind of hajj. And a person might actually do actions 
who, and, and they think they have good intentions, but they haven't followed the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ. Who cares about the intentions if it's not tayyib following the Prophet ﷺ? And similarly, Allah is tayyib, la yaqbalu illa tayyiba. So the human being has to be purified. These sins that are committed, the person has to do tawbah, has to repent to Allah They can't just go through life, living their life and expect to enter paradise. Because that rust is accumulated and a rusted heart can't enter paradise. And so Allah tests the person. These are the trials of life. When a person says, Oh Allah, why is it happening to me? Why me? Why me? And they don't realize that everybody goes through tests. Not just you. Everybody. And you might have a hard test. I can show you a million people that have had harder tests than you. And I remember actually teaching in, uh, in, in Al-Huda school here. And little kids, grade one, they would come up and they're crying from their heart. Almost like someone else cries when something bigger happens in life. They, I said, why are you crying? And they said, so-and-so stole the crayon from me. He wouldn't give it back. And every time I would get in a, a situation like that, I would smile, I would almost like giggle to myself. I thought, how simple this child's life is. But then I thought, I cry about stuff and I think that it's big, but maybe to Allah it's just a crayon. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala puts us through these tests to make us stronger and make us stronger and make us stronger. But how do you get stronger when the test comes? And I'll give you this example. You're walking in the mall. This totally haram uh, scene comes in front of you. A scene, shaitan's riding someone like a Ford Bronco, whether male or female, and you start looking. At that moment, you're being tested. Now, at the moment of test, you will either go down, and going down is very quick and fast, or you will go up. How do you go up? Interestingly, you go up by looking down. You go up by looking down. So you're going, and subhanAllah, it's almost like you're going into a battlefield. And indeed it is. As the Prophet said, that the marketplace is the battlefield of the shaitan. If you walk into there, you're being tested left and right, left and right. You say, A'udhu Billahi Minash Shaitan Rajeem, A'udhu Billahi Minash Shaitan Rajeem. You actually come out stronger than when you enter because of the test of life. But we know, many of you are listening to this, you know that that's not the case. And very often the person who goes to an area like that and all these fitness, they come out weaker and weaker. The point of this, why I'm saying this to you inshallah, is that the tests of life, they make you stronger. And if you can be patient, immediately when the test comes, you will experience something like you've never experienced before. And this is actually the ulamat when they mention of someone who lowers their gaze. As soon as something haram comes, they lower their gaze. They experience a sweetness in their heart that is more beloved to them than actually looking at that haram thing.